is the Answer Your Unique Calling podcast. This podcast provides tips, tools, and inspiring stories for creating clarity around your calling, opening your heart to infinite possibilities, and enabling you to have the greatest impact on the world. I'm Julian Crossenfell, a certified spiritual life coach, meditation teacher, human design specialist, and founder of Preservinata. And most recently, I've joined the faculty at Starseed Academy Coach Training. It's my mission to teach and guide others in living a spiritually aligned life that answers their unique calling. Welcome, and thanks for listening. Hello, today on the show, I have with me Norman J. Liverpool IV, is a coach, author, and motivational speaker based in Las Vegas, Nevada. In 2019, Norman started Over the Top Living to be a voice and resource in the LGBTQ community. He shares his stories and uses his voice to show people the beauty in living authentically and unapologetically. His book, Over the Top Living, is the reminder that you are worthy to live life as yourself and that you are a confident badass. The book is available on Amazon. Welcome, Norman. You're so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. I hope you're you're doing well today. Um, So you've written a book and you are a coach and a motivational speaker. Um, I'm curious how you that how that happened. What what led you to coaching and, and writing a book? So it all just came out of me sharing my story on Facebook. That's kind of how it started. Well, on social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram. And so I just started sharing my story and people began to reach out to me with like, wow, Norman, that really resonates with me. I went through something similar or, you know, I know someone who went through something similar. Um, but what really touched me is one time I had a, a parent reach out to me and said, I love sharing your content with my trans child. So from there, I started working with a business development coach who really helped me figure out what I wanted to do. And as we worked together, I found the power in sharing my authentic story. So I began speaking and booking gigs and people were, you know, coming to me for coaching. And so the next step for me was to write a book that kind of put all of that in one in one spot. And uh, here we are today. Wow, that's quite an amazing story. Um, I love how it just sort of unfolded for you. I, you know, this has kind of been a theme in people that I've talked to on the show or in my own coaching practice that it just sort of happens, you know, they stumble into it. Um, Was it a surprise to you? I mean, did you like 20 years ago, did you have any inkling that you'd write a book and be coaching and speaking? Absolutely not. Um, 20 years ago, I was 15. And so um, I was still coming to terms with who Norman is, you know, I was a sophomore, I guess, in high school. um, And I grew up in an unapologetically black and unashamedly Christian household. And so there was no option or room for me to really be who I am innately. So no, I would have never thought that I would have been an author, I would have never thought that I would have been a coach or a, a, a motivational speaker, let alone be out and open. Wow. Yeah. So um, what did you, what, what were you wanting to do when you were that age? 
So I thought I was going to be a teacher. Um, I, I kind of wanted to be in politics. I thought I might be a lawyer. So I, I, I kind of was all over the place. Um, I knew I wanted to do something that would help people. I just did not know what that looked like because coming from my family, you know, it was super, super, super religious. Like my grandmother started the church that I grew up in. Her son, my uncle, is still the pastor of that church today. Um, I knew I wanted to help people, but I didn't want it to look like how they helped people. Mm. Wow, interesting. So just kind of like doing your own thing seemed like it became part of part of your part of your style of finding your calling. Um, so you mentioned that you wanted to be a, a teacher and um, and obviously you've kind of gone a, a very different path. And um, one of the things that you said that I found was interesting was, you know, that you knew you wanted to help people. So when you were thinking about helping people back then, how did you how did you envision that that might unfold for you? You know, it, it was a couple different things. I was very influenced by um, my high school religion teacher, and we are actually still friends to this day. And um, I, I kind of thought maybe I wanted, that's why I wanted to become a teacher, because I saw the impact that, that she made in my life. So that was where I was going to go originally. That was my first major in college. Um, and then when I started studying secondary education, I realized that that's not something I really wanted to do. Um, and so I kind of just spun my wheels, um, until I stopped going to college and, and went into the workforce and, you know, kind of figured it out from there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I just, cause I think it's interesting that when people start to answer their calling, they usually have some idea of what it's going to look like and it's never quite what how it actually turns out so we're just wondering like what role if any that played for you so i just to be completely honest i was all over the place um you know i switched my uh major several times i went to three or four different colleges um so i didn't really know what i was going to do and and looking back a lot of that had to do with the fact that I did not know who I was. I, I had not met myself yet, to be completely honest, at that time in my life. So it made it very difficult to, to kind of forge a path, not really knowing where you're going. Sure. So you mentioned growing up in the church and, and you know, the impact that that had on you. Um, as you came to where you started to write the book and move into your, your calling with coaching and, and speaking, what part did spirituality play in your process? It, it was very present um, in so far that I, I started talking about some of the trauma that was brought on by my religious experience. Um, I started speaking on my family, who at that point was also my church because it was a family, you know, the church was started by a member of my family. Um, so it really had to do with me kind of finding my own relationship and no longer allowing myself to be defined by the things that I was taught. Um, and so it, it really just was me coming to my own understanding of my spirituality, my own relationship um, with faith and, 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 and that kind of thing. And, um, how I have been able to kind of cut off some of the, the negative things that traumatized me growing up. Yeah, definitely. And, and I know that's a very real thing, 
um, for in particular LGBTQ plus people to feel very traumatized by religion and spirituality growing up. A lot, a lot of them have that experience. Um, so if, you know, I, you, you've written this book and you do motivational speaking and coaching with LGBTQ plus people. So if someone um, has had a traumatic experience with spirituality or, or religion growing up, what would your, you know, what would your advice to them be? for you know making it their own the way that you've done so i think it's one it's that's that can be very tricky so depending on where they're at in that journey i may refer them to some associates of mine that specialize in faith-based trauma things like that um but if it's something that's kind of along the lines of, of where i am the first thing is is we have to set a boundary with our past and i think that a lot of times we allow our past to bleed into our present and prevent our future because we have not dealt with the things of the past. You know, I could not deal with some of the things that I went through until I said out loud that I, I kind of waited for my grandmother to die before I could come out. Or the or to say some of the things that my parents have said to me. You know, it was it was about lifting up the rug and pulling all of that out instead of living with everything swept under the rug. And so that was really instrumental for me being able to speak on uh, the situations that have occurred to me and not place blame, but understand that that was part of my journey and part of my growth and experience. Oh yeah. That's, I, I love that. Cause it's so true. Like we get so, sort of mired in the past and we carry those events around with us all the time. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the, the Seth materials by Jane Roberts. And, and of course, one of the principles that Seth says is the point of power is in the present. Like we, you know, we make change now. We can't do it back then. We can't do it in the future. We do it right now with our actions in the moment. So it's a really, really beautiful um, way of putting it. And um, yeah, love that. Um, so you do coaching with LGBTQ plus people. Like, tell me a little bit about the coaching you do. So initially, the the coaching was solely centered on gaining confidence. Um, and I quickly realized that you cannot operate in a level of confidence if you're not operating in a space of authenticity. So my coaching shifted to authentic lifestyle. And with that, confidence comes. Um, so I work with my clients in a couple different ways. You know, we have I have some group coaching. Facebook community. Um, and I have a couple of clients that I work with one-on-one. -on -one. Excellent. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's very hard to sort of be confident if you're also hiding who you are or you don't know who you are. And of course, you know, I also tell people, um, in business who are wanting to be more transparent and put themselves out there in their business that you can't be authentic if you're not willing to also be vulnerable. So what part does vulnerability play in the, in the work that you do? Oh, it plays a huge uh, amount because I literally have to live out loud. You know, um, my all of my platforms are extremely public. Um, I share everything because I, I'm from the mindset that part of my story can be someone else's survival guide. So I don't hide or, you know, I don't hide anything. I'm very transparent. And with that comes a lot of responsibility, but a lot of negativity too, you know, um, being completely transparent reveals things about people in our lives 
and the and the the characters and the roles that they play in our story. Um, and that's difficult sometimes to navigate. It's also difficult to navigate when people knew the old person and now they see this new uh, individual, you know, emerge and there, there can be some mixed feelings with that. And so in, in being completely open and honest, literally all of the time, all of my life is exposed. And so I've really had to work very hard and very diligently to, to hold on to a little bit uh, just for myself. Yeah, sure. You gotta, gotta have a little mystery there, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, hmm. So you, you mentioned like living out loud and I really love that title. So something that just sort of um, occurred to me that I'm really curious about when you were in this process of coming out, who were your um, queer role models at the time? I didn't have any. Mm. Um, and, and that is one of the reasons why I made the decision to step out so publicly, um, because we didn't have any. And, you know, if you did see something on TV, it was generally something very stereotypical back then. Um, you know, I remember having to sneak in the basement and watch Tu Wong Fu, um, uh, thanks Julie Newmar when that came on HBO or Showtime or something, but it came on like super, super late and I had to sneak into the basement um, to watch it. Um, I didn't have it. And even the people that are around me that I learned that were gay, you know, after the fact, they weren't living out and open. You know, um, my my grandmother's brother, beautiful man, extremely artistic, um, but never could live his truth. And so he ran away and did not come back for quite some time. And so I didn't have the opportunity to know him or to get to know him. Um, so yeah, there was, there was none. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, I obviously quite a bit older, um, came out in a, a different time and I did have some older queer role models. Um, so I, you know, wonder, like, I think part of that is obviously the AIDS epidemic has really impacted the availability of role models for younger people coming out. Um, and then obviously you mentioned kind of um, the media and the media plays a huge part in sort of warping that, that view of what it means to be queer for people when they're first coming out. Um, so do you think it's gotten better or is this still something that's really an issue with people not having good role models? I would say both. And I, the reason why I say both is we have definitely made huge strides, especially not only being gay, but also being a black man. Um, that even decreased the the number of role models that I would have had back then. And today, you know, it's so awesome. Like, I, I just never thought that I would live at a time where I would see black and brown and other people of color, queer people on TV, um, playing roles that look like me in the mainstream. And so that is huge because I didn't grow up having that. I didn't grow up seeing, you know, LGBTQ plus people on mainstream, you know, evening television shows and things like that. But I also feel that in that there's so many types of people in our community 
that we still have more to do so that if there's someone who may not be like what is on TV, that they have access to someone who looks like them, have, has a similar or shared experience as that. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree. Cause there's, you know, definitely role models that don't, don't resonate for people. And, um, and the media does sort of homogenize it a little bit. So the role models all kind of start to look the same. And if you don't look like that, or don't fit that mold, it, it can be very, very difficult. Um, so when you were writing this book and starting your business as a coach and a speaker, um, what were some of the biggest struggles that you had to overcome with that? So the first one was, so let me preface this by saying the book as it was released was not the book as it started. And I found that what was really kind of blocking me was the fact of having to show people in a light that wasn't good. You know, when I had to write about certain conversations that my my mom and I would have and things of that nature. And so what I found was that the book, as it was originally intended, was overly negative. And that really displeased me. So I went back to the drawing board. I literally erased everything and said, instead of focusing on the negatives, instead of focusing on on these things that I really can't change and while they're very important and I will write about them eventually, let me provide tips and be a resource to help build other people up. And so once I was able to get over that hurdle, the book was done in about 30 days. Um, Another thing that was kind of different for me is I'm used to doing everything myself. Um, And it was different for me working with a coach. Uh, I I, I believe in working with coaches. Um, So I I hired a different coach that helped me with the book. And that was kind of scary because you're putting your your energy into this work and then entrusting another person and their team to deliver the message that you that you're wanting to to give out so that was a little a little nerve-wracking and then lastly it was just getting out of my own head because as I began, as I neared the completion of the book, I'm like, who wants to read a book from a black gay guy from Chicago who lives in Las Vegas, who is a motivational speaker? And so I had kind of discredited myself before the book was even released. And so just being able to shift my mindset and get out of my own way was, was probably the biggest hurdle uh, ever. <laughs> I hear that all the time about getting out of your head, and that's been a struggle for me as well. So very relatable. In fact, this podcast was one of those things that I had to finally get out of my way and just do it. Um, so yeah, um, totally, totally relatable. I, I think it's really interesting how you started to write one book and then it really shifted. So and and then it kind of happened really quickly. It almost sounds like you were inspired there by something. Yeah, it. When you're in alignment, things move a different way. And I was kind of fighting against myself because I had it in my head that, no, the book must be like this. And it has to be like this, that when I kind of let go and allow, just allowed myself to be authentic, Mm -hmm. allowed myself to truly rest in my experience, um, the book, it just began to flow. And that process was so quick. And, um, I'm really grateful for the coach that, um, 
that supported that entire journey from conception to distribution. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And I love that, that you brought up alignment because it's a big part of it, like getting aligned with your own energy, with your getting aligned with your authenticity, getting aligned with, with divine timing and just allowing things to happen. And that's such a, a crucial piece that people really struggle with. Um, so what came first, the book or or book or coaching? Coaching. So I, uh, the coaching, uh, and the motivational speaking came first that started in 2019. Um, my book was actually just released earlier this year. Wow. Okay, great. And I, and I saw, you know, earlier that it's available on Amazon. So pretty exciting. Um, and so, so the coaching came first and what, you know, you've already kind of talked a little bit about what led you to coaching, but how did you decide specifically that coaching was going to be the way that you were going to embody your calling and your desire to help other people? Well, I just simply realized that I had already been doing it. Mm. I just didn't, I just didn't have a name for it. I was already coaching. I was already mentoring. I was already advocating. I was already doing all of those things. Um, but when I began to see my clients get results mm-hmm. from working with me, that's when my mind, my mindset shifted to, this is not just something you're do- like, this is who you are at the very core. Um, and it really put a, a level of responsibility um, to the way that I spoke to people and really listening to understand because they were really entrusting me to get a result. And with that, I really, I really took it seriously. And I, I, I take it very serious. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So before you, you started your business as a coach and, and a speaker, had you been a business owner before, or was that your first time in business? No. So I also own another business, um, completely unrelated. Um, but I, I, I come from a family of entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and so I'm, I was not a a stranger to entrepreneurship. Um, I just knew that I had to do it my own way. You know, my parents had businesses that they really wanted me to be involved in. And I'm like, Ooh, that's kind of not my calling. I'm not really feeling that. So I was scared of entrepreneurship for a while. And uh, in 2019, I launched two businesses. So, you know, it's, uh, it was all about divine timing and, and, and being right where I was supposed to be, but not just being there, but understanding why I was there, understanding why I was in the position that I was in and understanding that as an entrepreneur, especially, you know, having employees, the, the, the joy that I get from being able to to pay my employees and so that they can support their families. And, and, and that, that really brings joy to my heart. Yeah. Nice. So a lot of, uh, a lot of my clients eventually start businesses as part of their answering their unique calling. Cause they're also driven to help people and, and make the world better. And then they kind of, if it's their first time and then spiritual business is also very different, obviously. Um, And so they kind of struggle sometimes with the business and in particular with charging, charging for their services. So, you know, is that something that you've struggled with? And if so, how did you overcome that? Yeah, 100%. I think especially when you're offering a service, it's a little bit more difficult to put a price on that rather than like a product. 
So um, I struggled with it. And, and uh, again, that's why I worked with a coach who really helped me put a price on not just working with me, but on the result, on the outcome. This is, you're going to go through this experience to get here. And not only are you going to get there, but I'm going to collapse time and get you there faster. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just had to get over that. And again, as I had more testimonials and proof of work, it got easier to to charge. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll still, you know, I still have some some partnerships where I'll do some pro bono, you know, things, whether it be for school or something like that. Um, but I also understand that money is an exchange. And when that exchange happens, there's a certain level of accountability that happens as well. Um, and it really shows me that the client is invested in the process. Yes. Yes, definitely. I've noticed that as well with things um, in the past before I was in, you know, a, a coach, things that I was was involved in when there wasn't money, be, like there wasn't an energy exchange in the form of money. Um, people didn't value it as much and they weren't as committed at all, like their energy just wasn't engaged. So, yeah. Yeah, great. Well, um, I'm curious, what um, advice would you offer to listeners who either were just new in discovering their calling, trying to determine what it is, or had stepped into that that place and had started a business around their calling and now were struggling with it? So number one, I mean, you have to be able to pivot. You know, when I first came into the coaching space, I didn't, I had not identified that I was specifically going to be working with LGBTQ plus people primarily. Um, So understand that your niche is going to change and you have to just be able to pivot with it. Um, But I also say that we have to do things immediately because I feel like the longer we wait, we talk ourselves out of it. I feel like we need to do things uh, intentionally uh, because we, we want to understand our why, why, why are we doing this? Um, and, and, and you want to do things consistently, you know, you're the people that need you are, are looking for you. And so it's important that you, you are consistent in, in your messaging and, and sharing your story and that you really believe and understand in the, the power of you living your authentic life. Yeah. Yeah, that consistency part is huge. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a really big one, and I think it's it's one that people struggle with the most. Um, and I think about being about we have this notion where we have to be perfect. I, I tell my clients we want to do things imperfectly because if you're waiting for the perfect time, it's never going to happen. And so we want to do things intentionally, imperfectly, and immediately. You know that that is to me the recipe for success, along with being able to pivot. Yeah, nice. I'd never heard anyone put the put it quite that way or, or create that kind of recipe for it. So but I, I love that definitely the imperfect thing, because, you know, a lot of people get wrapped up in that perfectionism. And it, and it's it paralyzes them, they never do anything because they're waiting to do it perfectly. And I fell into that category for a long time myself. So yeah, I think we all have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anything else um, before we wrap that you'd like to share with the listeners? Just from my heart to yours, know that you are exactly where you need to be. Everything is as it is. And as one of my pastors um, used to tell me, 
what has been done has been done and what has not been done has not been done. We cannot add any more hours to the day. We can't, you know, so of course we want to manage our time. We want to get things done. We want to make an impact. But at the same time, we want to care for ourselves, allow ourselves to get rest, refill our cups. Um, and that and, and that means sometimes disconnecting so that you can take care of self. And I think that that's the biggest thing as entrepreneurs, because you're wearing all these different hats. You're the CEO, the CFO, the director of marketing. You're this, that, and the other. And it's sometimes, if you're anything like me, it's hard to shut it off. So while we typically become entrepreneurs to have time freedom, we end up doing the exact opposite because we never turn it off. So just know how to turn it off sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big one. I mean, I, I talk about that a lot. Um, you know, I do human design and obviously in human design, we talk a lot about our energetic design and how we protect our energy. And in, in particular, entrepreneurs are pretty bad about abusing their energy and, and suffering from burnout. So yeah, thank you for that beautiful message. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So how can people get in touch with you? if They want to learn more about your book or your coaching or speaking. So the easiest way is to go to connect.overthetopliving.com. And from there, that's my link tree. So you'll have access to my Facebook, Instagram, all of that. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Norman J. Liverpool IV and Over the Top Living Now. I'm on Instagram at the Mr. Liverpool. Um, and my email is Norman at overthetopliving.com. Great. So thank you so much for, for joining me today. It's been a real delight talking to you and getting some insight into how you answered your unique calling. Thank you so much for having me. Are you a soulpreneur? You've answered your unique calling by starting a spirituality-based business. Maybe now you find yourself overwhelmed. There's so much to do for your business and so many things you've never done before that you need to learn how to do. With an ever-growing to-do list, you may feel like you'll never get everything done. Decisions become complicated and you may feel like you need to work all the time. Even worse, our old friend imposter syndrome hooks his head up. You struggle with your pricing and every business coach on the planet wants to sell you a marketing system. I've been there. It's why I've created my Soulpreneur Energetic Success Program. This coaching program helps you use your human design, storytelling, ritual, and transformational coaching to build your Soulpreneur business. Discover how to make the best decisions for you, how to find the most aligned action to take, overcome imposter syndrome, confidently charge what your services are worth, and move forward with ease and grace. Visit my website, www.priestofanana.com, to schedule a free intro call.